as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 and Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot uh, and we got three movies for you this week. We got the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, because the name's about as imaginative as the movie. Uh, yeah. We've got John Wick Chapter Two, and then finally also a sequel. the yeah, also a sequel, uh, and the Lego Batman movie, which technically is a sequel too, it's because a sequel too. <laughs> it kind of pulls into uh, what we learned in the first Lego movie. So. Yeah, lots of sequels this week, but yep. like we always say, we gotta eat our vegetables before we get to the main course and dessert. So, Andy, you took the bullet for this one. I sadly had to work. Um, tell us how wonderful Fifty Shades Darker is. It's terrible. It's just <laughs> as bad as you imagine. I mean, the, the thing about this movie, though, is it, it's it's essentially critic proof. If you like this this brand of movie, if you liked the books that it was based on. If you like terribly written Twilight fan fiction, this movie, you're going to like it. Oh, yeah. We we ran into a friend of ours at the theater today, and she was outside eating sushi, and we're like, what are you seeing? She's like, oh, Fifty Shades Darker. And before we can say anything, she's like, yes, yes, I know it's horrible, but I love the books. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't quite understand the fixation on this, except that I think that this is in many ways like a... A fable for the Trump era. You have this terrible billionaire who describes himself not as a kink fetishist, but in the movie he straight out says, I'm not a dom, I'm a sadist. I get sexual pleasure from abusing women who look like my dead mother. Ew. Ew. And we think Norman Bates had the problem. (laughs) Yeah, and, and... and the only reason he gets away with this is because he's a good-looking billionaire. And Anastasia Steele makes all of these terrible choices. If if you got a BuzzFeed listicle of, like, 36 ways to tell that your BFF is dating an abusive douchebag and tell her to get away, every single one of those we would check off during this movie. Doesn't respect your boundaries is intimidating towards male co-workers, uh, is, is possessive and uh, not respectful of you and your decisions. He's terrible to her, but yet women seem to like this. And I think it comes back to what Trump said. When you're rich, you can do anything. You can grab them by the... And they won't yeah. do anything. And in fact, that happens in the movie several times. He does indeed grab her by the... And in public. And without her express consent. Um, That's not how relationships work. That's not kinky. That's not sexy. None of this is okay. And I don't know who likes this, but there's better stuff out there. Well, yeah, if you want to see a, a movie about, like, S&M or like, a bondage relationship, there was that movie uh, Secretary with James uh, Spader and Maggie mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal. And yeah. that, that I saw it because a friend wanted to see it, and it's not my that's not my type of relationship. Sure. Uh, but that was at least well done. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to kink shame anyone, but this isn't kink. This is abusive. 
this isn't this isn't how relationships actually work and i think it's setting a lot of bad sending a lot of bad messages about what relationships should be even beyond that it's just not well done it's it's not sexy it's not pretty it's not good to look at in any sense it's not aesthetically pleasing in any sense one out of ten. Oh wow that's that's more generous than i was yeah. expecting you to be <laughs> no i mean it's still better than split so i gave it a one <laughs> that's gonna be at least that's gonna be your your uh your litmus test for the rest of the year is was it better than split <laughs> Well, because they didn't try to be anything other than what they were, and they didn't try to wink at you and be like, hey, you have to like the movie now. At least I didn't walk out feeling overtly manipulated. Mm -hmm. I knew what I was getting into with this movie, and I really honestly tried to give it a chance. But no, there's just nothing here. And I'm sorry, but there's going to be a third one, and we will watch that one too. And then it will hopefully be done, and we will all go back to not caring about Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele. Well, no, then they're going to go back and, and redo the story from his perspective, like they're doing with the books. Oh, that's right. So. <laughs> yes, because I'm sure that will be so much better. We, we, we need the male perspective on what's going on here a lot more, than because this is such a movie about female empowerment. Yeah, well... The good news is is that Fifty Shades Darker did not take number one at the box office, but it yes. did unfortunately beat our next movie, John Wick Two, which Ooh. is almost infinitely superior to uh, to Fifty Shades. So uh, hopefully everyone saw the first John Wick, which was one of the best action movies of the last five six years. Uh, this one takes off pretty soon after that with uh, John Wick, played by Keanu Reeves, trying to track down his stolen car, which we remember got stolen in the very first one. Um, he comes home and he's encountered by uh, a crime lord, Santino D'Antonio, who's played by, I'm going to mess up his name horribly, uh, Ricardo Scamacchio? Something yeah, like some Italian guy. Yeah, Some Italian name, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and basically, Santino uh, owns the marker on John Wick's life, because when John Wick left the Assassin's World to marry his wife, he made a promise he would essentially never kill again. And because of the events of the first film, he kind of gets sucked back in. Uh, and now Santino owns owns him, basically, and tells him, look, I will release you from this uh, from this contract if you do one last impossible hit. Uh, his sister is a member of this huge crime, fan, uh, crime thing called the High Table. He's like, I need you to kill her so I can take her place. So John Wayne goes off to do that. And after that, wackiness ensues. He gets a huge hit put on him to kind of clean up loose ends. And every single assassin in the world is now coming after him. And he's off to not only survive but also get his revenge on Santino for basically doing this to him. So I'll, let, I'll say one thing really fast, and I want Andy, you can hop in. Uh, this is one of the rare sequels that's just as good as the original. Uh, you know, you've got like your Empire Strikes Back, your Aliens, but very your Fifty Shades Darker. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just as good. <laughs> just as good, yeah. Well, I mean, technically speaking, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, but what's so cool here, it does, it, it does everything right, and the one thing that does so well is that it takes this world we kind of saw glimpses of. The first one was like the Continental, which was the kind of assassin's hotel where they could stay at and they couldn't fight and everything else. And really blows it up and builds this incredible world to where there's it's 
I guess the best thing to say is almost kind of like Harry Potter in the sense that we're all muggles and there's this entire hidden world like standing out there right in the open but because we don't have access to it we can't see it and it's yeah. it's phenomenally fun yeah that, that's absolutely the best thing about this I came away from the first John Wick movie just utterly blown away being like basically that was just a dumb action movie that didn't care that it was a dumb action movie and yeah. went ahead and set itself up and these guys know how to work a camera and shoot action and they use light and they use camera angles incredibly effectively and it's it's violent it's kinetic it's hard hitting and it's it's just really cool to look at and extremely well choreographed uh, and and this movie is exactly the same the things that they do in here i mean he's going through the catacombs in in Rome uh, during this hit. It's extremely cool, uh, extremely neatly lit in the way that they use candlelight and shadow. Um, there's, there's another scene where uh, he's facing off against Common, who plays one of these other uh, high-level assassins. And they're in, like, the Metropolitan Opera, in New York, yeah. and they're like surreptitiously trying to shoot at each other with silencers, so no one else sees it. And it's, and it's so the cool. funniest and damn thing. It is so funny. Uh, Ruby Rose is another one of these high-level assassins, and she's great. And of course, they end up in what is essentially a funhouse mirror type thing, but without the funhouse mirrors. It's like, well, how about we do that whole cliche of having a shootout in? in the House of Mirrors. Yeah. But we find something cool and artsy to do with it. And they did, and it was so cool. <laughs> I mean this just this just reminds me of old school Hong Kong action movies where they're like, hmm, what if we had twelve guys and a stepladder, a rope, and two paint cans and a couple of uh, two by fours? What could we do with that? Let's choreograph a fight scene just around that. I have an idea. Jackie Chan is on stilts. What is a fight scene we can do around that? And then they just <laughs> choreograph it and they shoot it. And it's, they don't care. It's all yeah. about making a fun, cool action sequence. And that's all this is. But you're absolutely right. The world building that, that they do is so neat. Yeah, I came out of the first one saying... I want more of that Ian McShane character. I want to find out all about the Continental Hotel and what goes on there. And I got it! And it's awesome. And, spoiler alert, there's going to be a third one, and, oh my gosh, the world explodes even more, and it's going to be so much cooler. I'm way excited for that. Yeah, it, it ends just waiting to see what happens next, because, like, let's just say everything kind of goes to hell in a handbasket. But, yeah, yeah. The, one of the, my favorite moments of the whole thing is that he, uh, they showed it briefly in the first one where he has those little gold coins and that's kind of like their their marker that says hey i'm i'm in this i'm in this world like that's how they pay for like getting rid of the bodies or for the hotel but he goes to this like restaurant and he's like um yeah i need to talk to the sommelier and so they go back in this room and this really guy just all fancy and there's just guns and ammo and weapons all behind him and john wick walks up he's like i would like a tasting please and he's like, yep. oh, certainly, sir. Let me show you an appetizer and your hors d'oeuvres and your soup. And he goes like the whole meal, just giving him guns and guns and guns and guns. And he's like, will that be it, sir? And John Wick's like, 
well, I was hoping for dessert. It's like, oh, let me show you our finest cutlery. And, like, hands of all these, like, th- like throwing knives and, like, stilettos and stuff. Yeah, it just, it takes everything you were looking for in the first one and just makes it just so much more interesting and better. Uh, you know, random people, like, there's there's a great scene where he's, like, all of a sudden, every, he's walking past people and you find out everyone who's in the whole area, like, hundreds of people are all part of this world. Like, they're all assassins or all, you know, tied into the Continental. Uh Oh, and when they call to put a hit on them, like they're calling like a bunch of like old lady operators and stuff. And oh, it's just it's so much fun. And the what I love about the fight scenes too is we're so used to, I mean, and as much as I love them, the Marvel movies do this a lot, where it's really quick takes and like you know go from you know one shot to the next every two seconds, almost like you're watching like, a music video. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this one does have some of that, but they linger on a bit longer, so the fight scenes seem kind of more like a dance almost, especially with the way that John Wick will, does, does a lot with grappling. Like, he'll grab a guy, throw him, twist him around, and then blow his head off. Uh, <laughs> but it makes it seem like it's your, your, you're watching a performance instead of just, you know, a random action movie. And that's something that this director does so well um, with the first one that you, you look at a movie that was a big, dumb, fun movie. Supposed, supposed to be fun, at least. It was like Triple X. Yeah. I mean, that was just big and dumb. This one is actually big and smart. Mm-hmm. And... It, it, you walk out, you want more. Uh, I love it. Again, it's, it's one of the rare sequels that is as good as the first. I, I'd say if it was maybe a couple minutes shorter, maybe ten minutes, uh, and had a little bit more of a conclusion than leaving it so wide open, I might say it's better. But uh, I absolutely love it. Go see it this weekend. Uh, I'm at a nine. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little bit under that. I still really love it and really am enthusiastic about this. I mean, it's essentially like watching a video game play out on there. So I'm at a seven. I want and a this half. video game, by the way. I want oh, yeah. this video game so hard. Anyway, I'm at a seven and a half. Um, it's really great. I just I liked uh, other things just a little bit better. And as good as this is, there's there's no like moral core or center where I walked away from that thinking like. Oh, I've learned something about humanity. It's just like <laughs> balls to the wall, awesome action, which is great in and of itself. And I loved how unassuming it is. Uh, and if that's your thing, this is totally up your alley, and, and you're gonna love it. Um, but yeah, but what if you I want liked, something, yeah, is this. <laughs> yeah, what, what I what I liked even a little bit more was the Lego Batman movie. And uh, as we said, this is a sequel of sorts to the Lego movie. Uh, because this is the Lego universe and all of those universes are connected and we do get hints of that in this movie. Uh, Our Batman, uh, the the movie starts off in one of the best and funniest action sequences I've ever seen in my life as the Joker has assembled all of Batman's rogues gallery including people who you have never heard of but like our condiment actual... king. <laughs> <laughs> condiment king, calendar man, gentleman ghost. <laughs> yes, those are all real Batman villains. And every Batman villain you can ever think of shows up in this movie. And they've got a plot to take over Gotham. But really what the Joker is all about, he just wants Batman to admit that he's his greatest enemy. And uh, Batman's like, no. I don't do ships. I don't do relationships. And uh, along with this being a movie about Batman fighting the baddies, it's also a movie about Batman being alone 
and learning a very valuable lesson that I think will really hit with both kids and adults. You can't just do everything on your own. Uh, meanwhile, the new police chief, Barbara Gordon, uh, is calling Batman in and saying, hey, we want you to be a partner with us and work with us. And he's like, no, I won't. And <laughs> he accidentally adopts an orphan, Dick Grayson, and wants nothing to do with him until he realizes he needs him for a mission where he could possibly be expendable. And that is breaking into Superman's Fortress of Solitude to steal the... Uh, the Phantom Zone generator, so he can send the Joker to the Phantom Zone where he will never bother anyone ever again. Of course, this is Joker's plan all along. He wants to get sent to the Phantom Zone so he can unite all of the worst baddies, and they all show up and attack Gotham in the greatest Lego action scene that you can possibly imagine. Um, okay, let, let's just go through this cast of everyone who's in this movie. Oh, this is like the greatest voice acting cast I've ever seen. This is this is ridiculous. Okay, so you've got uh, Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, Jenny Slate as Harley Quinn. Uh, Jason Mantzoukas as Scarecrow. Conan O'Brien as the Riddler. Doug Benson as Bane, which, oh my gosh. It's just Bane. making fun of the... Uh... Hello, this is Bane! Hi, I'm Gotham's Undoing. Played by uh, stoner Doug Benson. <laughs> oh, he's he's great. Anyway, Billy D. Williams as Two Face. Yes, that is a reference. It's <laughs> like so meta. They put they've got him back as Harvey Dent, Two Face, in an homage to the '89 Batman. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Kate McGucci as Clayface. Ricky Lindholm as Poison Ivy. Eddie Izzard as Voldemort, Seth Green as King Kong, Jermaine Clement as Sauron, which is the second best part of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) He's so good. Uh, Ellie Kemper as Phyllis, the Keeper of the Phantom Zone, and, of course, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill reprising their roles as Superman and Green Lantern from the first Lego movie, Adam Devine as The Flash, and Hector Elizondo as Jim Gordon. There's so much talent in this, and the only problem with all those people, they all only have, like, two lines. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get a whole lot of them. If you're expecting a lot of Conan O'Brien, you get one little quip from the Riddler, and, like, that's it. But it's, it's worth it, and it's all so good. I just, this movie was completely manic. I loved it. I love the beginning, I love the ending. I thought the middle dragged kind of a little bit, but overall, just absolutely amazing. Adam, what do you think? So, the best thing about this movie is, aside from the fact that it's, it's, it's fantastic, it's wonderful, it's smart, it's funny, it, there are so many Easter eggs in here, you could yeah. literally watch this 20 times and you would still miss things. I mean, there's every single Batman, I mean, that ever has been, they show, you know, every version from all of the the recent movies to uh, even like that that weird one back in 66 then you see you know Adam West dancing as Batman back then Uh, and Joker comes out and he's like you know we've been fighting for 78 years and they just constantly like referencing so many fun little things and I sat there and I left the theater and my sides hurt from laughing so hard like I have not had that much fun in a movie uh probably since Star Wars Rogue One. <laughs> and that was a different type of fun. That was yeah. just a different experience. But yep. no, this is this is just something that 
if no matter what kind of mood you're in, or if you need something to kind of pick you up, I mean, go see this. It's so much fun. Uh, it's taking everything that they did with the first Lego movie, amping it up, making it better. Uh, and it's funny because they they showed us the trailer for the Ninjago movie coming out, and I had mm-hmm. no desire whatsoever to see it because I just don't care about that series of Legos. But the smart thing is they're they're keep, keeping with this whole very sarcastic, smart kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek humor they're doing with these two movies. So I'm excited for that one now, which I wouldn't have said you know three hours ago. Uh, but yeah, it's, Batman fans are gonna have a blast because there's so many cool hidden things. Uh, it's just it's funny. Kids will love it. Adults will love it. Everyone in our theater was cracking up. So uh, again, with this one, I'm I'm way high up there. I'm, I'm at a nine. Like, go see this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand why Warner Brothers can't do this same thing with their comic book movies. The people that made this Lego Batman movie obviously have a deep and abiding love for all things Batman. Even when they're being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, you don't have to have that. But these people love Batman, and they get Batman, and they get what makes the character work, and they also get what makes the Lego Batman version of Batman work. That he is in so many ways a caricature of yeah. this of, of of the Dark Knight and everything that Will Arnett brought to uh the, the Lego movie. They get it. Why aren't these same type of people working on the Justice League movies and on the Flash movies? Well one of them was. One of the writers of the Lego Batman movie, Seth Graham Smith, did a script treatment for The Flash, and they had quote-unquote creative differences, and he left the project. And it's like, Warner Brothers, get your crap together. This is how you put together a great movie using your intellectual property. And I, I'm just so sad that they can't do this with their main franchises and they keep kind of putting out these like mediocre and middling things that are designed to look really cool but not really like hit you where it counts the most oh well they even uh, made fun of the of suicide squad in this film They're like oh what yeah. we're gonna put together a squad of bad guys to fight the bad guys that's the stupidest idea i've ever heard yep. i mean you, that's the thing is and people kind of give the marvel movies crap for you know being quote-unquote too too humorous sometimes but you need that like you know i i loved man of steel i it's one of my favorite superman movies but that movie was so dark and dense that when i left mm-hmm. i almost felt happy out of the theater because i just couldn't take anymore and you know you look at uh batman v superman it's the same way you just, it's they're so yeah. heavy and so and, and i liked batman v superman i you know i gave it a seven so i'm not saying i'm not talking crap on the movie but sometimes you've got to have that little spark of levity to let the audience relax for a second and from the trailers and the clips we've seen of Justice League it looks like they've kind of learned that which is kind of cool so hopefully I hope so. going forward and now that uh, Jeff Johns is in charge and he's the one of the high up guys at DC Comics yeah, he's kind of like their Kevin Feige of, of DC now so hopefully with him pulling strings instead of Zack Snyder we'll get a more unified and a more cohesive storytelling but yeah. I mean we'll see you know, DC like I said they're Warner Brothers Leave them alone. Stop messing with them, because they can do good stuff when you let them just put their creative forces to work and and get out there and put something together. I and mean, you get the Lego Batman movie. So yeah. So I'm I'm. But this is just so much fun. I mean, I took my eight year old. He had a blast. But the. I, I mean, I said this before, but I want to reiterate it. The core message here 
about looking outside yourself and working with other people and putting aside your own ego is so good and it's so beautiful because it's an, a really important message for kids. Who, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, kids, like, they're the most egotistical creatures out there. They literally don't... Many of them don't comprehend that there are other people besides them. I'm the only one in the universe. Some people never grow up from that. Uh, but the the lesson that we can all learn from that is huge. And and I I love it. And it's so fun. And I'm doing a list right now of movies and TV shows for Valentine's Day. And I really feel like this is a beautiful Valentine's Day movie because it it's about a kind of love that you can have that isn't necessarily a romantic lovey-dovey thing, but where we're all taking care of one another and we're all looking out for each other. And that's just so beautiful. And I love it. And it's a message we can all learn from. Uh, I'm... I'm a little bit lower than you. I I still think my my heart has shriveled a little bit. I'm at an eight out of ten, um, but I'm obviously <laughs> That's still a great like, score. <laughs> I I'm obviously like very enthusiastic about this movie, and I love it. Um, I and I I hope the best, and and maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll come back and be like, oh yeah, that that actually was a nine, and John Wick actually was a nine. I was I was stupid, but. <laughs> Um, these are these are great movies, except for Fifty Shades. Yeah, so, don't go see that. <laughs> no, don't go see that. And so. this next week, um, well, we—I don't know—we might have a mixed bag. It might might be good, might yeah, be bad. I, I we'll, really we'll see. Dubious about this week coming up. So, yeah, we got three more movies. So we uh, have what was once called Teacher Fight, and is now just called Fist Fight, which I think Teacher Fight was a more interesting, fun name. Uh, yeah. We've got uh, a Cure for Wellness which looks really creepy and weird. Uh, and then we've got The Great Wall, which will be interesting because I'm interested to see how they handle Matt Damon in China. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's my big question. Like, I... The, the director has done great work before. I'm interested in seeing what he does with a big Hollywood-style movie and trying to break in to the American movie market. And if putting Matt Damon in there, like, feels terrible and not politically correct, or if it's just right. So, yeah. we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I always go into a movie wanting it to be good, and I hope that all three of these are, in fact, good. Uh, I, have, I have reason to expect that they will be, whereas most of the stuff we've been seeing for the last month has been kind of dreck. So, but let's hope for the best yeah so and uh the, the the other one we'll be seeing which we can probably briefly say something about but we won't give a full review until later on is uh we're both going to see logan and i know yes, that's the one i'm most excited for this week so mm -hmm. uh tune in next week we'll review those movies maybe give you a, a brief hint about logan but until then yeah. hail satan and have a lovely afternoon tripping but it's all right Homie scored a key he's gonna fly punk ass fly